0: I was thinking to myself, if this thing's gonna work, or if I'm gonna make this work, I just need to like go all in. Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact.
1: The host of this episode is Chad Harris, who hates Ikea. I got him there once, probably never again. Okay, hello everybody, friends and fellow investors. I am super excited to introduce to you today my good friend, David Rathke. And I've known Dave all of my life and he has consistently done things that have inspired me and challenged me to do more, including moving to New York City without a job, buying real estate in Brooklyn, what else? Moving to Louisville, deciding to do a flip, and his first flip makes six figures, commercial property, so I won't uh, tell too much of his story. I'll let him share his story, Um, but I know you'll get a lot from the interview, so without
0: further ado, welcome Dave. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, man. I think that's it. That was my whole story. Thank you. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I know quick. you can tell it
0: better than me. I'm, I'm certain.
1: <laughs> with
0: real estate history, what would you say is kind of, how did you get in, interested in real estate? I've always been, uh, you've always been a huge motivational factor for me as well. I think over the years, just like uh, our collaborations, sharing ideas, um, trying to push each other, think bigger, uh, seeing what you've done with it, seeing what you're, Dad had done prior to you what he had done with it, and just a different way of thinking altogether really moted motivated me to think real estate. I don't think I really got into the idea of real estate until we were in Brooklyn and we saw property. Actually, um, we were in areas that had really high appreciation, and we would see properties one year go for ninety thousand dollars, but then five years later be worth four hundred thousand dollars. I mean, just super high appreciation between 2002 and 2014. We were working traditional job. We tried to have our own business at that point, importing garments. Um, So that was kind of our push. And then we went back out of that entrepreneurial kind of view and went into more of a corporate job. And so as we were in the corporate job, it was a nine to five job. But in New York, nothing's really nine to five. It's a nine until you're done. So that's, Really, that first five years before we got into the entrepreneurial side was more like 12- to 14-hour days, seven days a week for five years in a row. And you really, we took off for Christmas to come back to Ohio. That's where I'm from. And we took off for Thanksgiving because most of the factories were closed uh, because we worked in local factories in Midtown. So having put all that time and drive into something and then not really have any fruit from it, was a little frustrating. So we tried to do our own business. And then after that, we tried to get back into more of a corporate world. And that wasn't really that um, fulfilling either. And at the same time we were doing that, we just saw the market around us growing in real estate. We we're in Williamsburg, which is really just a high appreciation area. I used to say it would go from uh, broken down VWs to BMWs in about three years. You just had a lot of warehouses that people took over and bought into. And so that's when we finally bought our first uh, condo. We just It was a one apartment condo. We bought it for, I think everyone at that point was going for 7%, we figured out, over asking. I don't remember what the exact sell so was. I think we bought it for 460,000. And then three years later, we sold it for 835,000. So that was, and we didn't really do too much to it. We've, we just maintained it and paid our bills and we did some interior work, but it was more decorating than anything. So seeing that and realizing, um, wow, I can leverage other people's money, the banks and have this huge payoff at the end of the day. Why can't I do that more often? And so that really was my first turn on to real estate. All of that was at the same time talking to you about, and you were learning about, um, different ways to purchase houses and you're we saying you don't have to just go through an MLS listing and you can knock on the door and ask people and I was like you can't do that that's crazy so all of this was kind of brewing at the same time yeah I think that was my first big turn on to real estate and, and understanding leveraging other people's money with that kind of appreciation that's insane it's we bought we, we yeah we were lucky to sell it at the peak of the market. I mean, it was a little bit of a strategy. We were just kind of watching it, practically sold it the year before, and then just sold it. And I believe the market came down a little bit. And That was in New York. So that was maybe 2016 or 17 in Brooklyn. Yeah, And then we moved to Louisville, and we just had a matrix of people around us here who lived and breathed real estate, from a brother-in-law who's in commercial real estate to yourself, who manages a bunch of single-family homes and does a bunch of different things with it? Just felt like a really good support group for us to try to take the money that we had and invest it here in opportunities.
1: So, was what's the Louisville market compared to, like coming from the Brooklyn market? Different.
0: So, like I don't remember the exact numbers with Brooklyn, but some of the numbers 10 years ago were. Uh, the square, the cost per square foot is vastly different, right? Here, yeah. you, if you sell something for $222 a square foot, that's really good. A lot of stuff will be $187 a square foot, $160, depending on your neighborhoods. This would be like A and B neighborhoods. There, it, I don't remember the numbers, $700 yeah. a square 717 or something. I'd have to Hard pull a calculator compare, out. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't compare at all. Yeah. But yeah. You came
1: back. And I remember that period where you were trying to figure out kind of what your niche was going to be in real estate and looking at different things. Tell, I mean, tell us about kind of how you got that first flip. How'd you sure. find the deal? What was the house like when you bought it? What were the the details of that deal?
0: Sure. I think I'm still trying to figure out that stuff, Chad. I'm in limbo still. <laughs> I think oh, I'll be internally in off limbo. the list. Done. <laughs> but I'm always, I always want a little bit more, you know, or just push a little bit more and always feel challenged. I think that's just who I am. And that's how I like, uh, success will never actually be there. It's always there in front of me, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But yeah. So the first year here, we bought an old house and um, I started at that point, really with real estate and fixing and flipping houses, I could walk into a Home Depot and not know what half of the stuff was. I mean, I knew a little bit just from a, fine arts background and sculpture and maybe I did some woodwork at one point but I I, all the different kinds of screws and things I had no idea so I wanted to do a total uh, submersion of it I was thinking to myself if this thing's going to work or if I'm going to make this work I just need to like go all in so we found uh, I had a buddy who was in kind of a a area that was up and coming he said there's these folks behind him that want to sell a house I got their information tracked them down I got the the agent who bought our house for us when we were in New York, we bought it prior to moving here. She gave me her contract. I got kind of changed it a little bit, went and talked to these people for about two weeks, went back and forth negotiating through text, um, got a house, They do a lot of shotgun styles here so like new orleans and louisville very similar like river cities and they're on 25 foot wide lots so we bought the house it was it's over 100 years old all the houses here in the city very close to the city are very 100 110 years old it has so many issues it was so
1: yeah so you you bought it you found it just by talking to people and actually interacting directly with the seller right
0: absolutely Mm -hmm. Uh, my buddy that's awesome my buddy had called him a bunch of times. They hadn't responded back to him. I asked for their number. Um, I just went and knocked on the door. And I could, I could meet with them two times a day. I was very aggressive. But I had to be just because of who they were. And they were didn't know what they wanted to do. When I say aggressive, I wasn't pushing myself on them. At first I was. And I felt I felt like after two or three days, I kind of had to withdraw and pull back from that. And I had to Re understand the situation, and I had to re kind of define the way I was looking at it. Instead of me trying to get a house, buy it, sell it, and flip it and make money, I had to kind of say, How can I help these people? They're in a situation where their mom lives in the house. She used to have poker parties on Monday. They've smoked in the house for 40 years. It's just thick. They've got two kids in the house and they want out. So when I could start to relate to their situation and appreciate, the opportunity that I could offer them and at the same time what they were offering me and make it a mutual or a win-win situation for everybody that's when I was really able to I spoke to them differently I don't know why or how but there was just a different way and we just we were able to tie up the deal a lot quicker and they were excited they had borrowed they had liens on the house they'd been to 904 foreclosure several times but never in the he had borrowed money from his mother in law. He was able to pay her back twenty thousand dollars. They were able to take twenty five thousand the thirty thousand dollars and buy a new house in a different area. but yeah it was a yeah. just I think though
1: know, just that perspective shift of it's not just numbers, it's a people situation, and if you can solve their problem for them, help them, it helps you that's that's what makes your business successful so I think that's awesome. I think too many times when people are dealing with sellers, they kind of just get tied up with the numbers and like they're trying to convince the seller to do something instead of structuring their offer to really meet what the seller wants so that you both want the same thing. That's a huge point. I would like
0: to take credit for it, but I imagine I was probably talking to you during that whole process and I imagine you may have passed that insight on to me back then. <laughs> I tend to forget those things.
1: <laughs> and, uh,
0: Not on purpose.
1: You're a total people person, man. I'm sure you got it. <laughs> no worries.
0: However it happened, it happened. Yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. And that was a good flip. It was interesting. I, Like I said, I had no experience with it. So I just went into it. Um, it was about 800 square feet. The, they built a bathroom off the back. It was on four by four, sitting above, about 12 inches above the ground. They just had old clothes shoved under it for insulation. So I ripped off the whole back of the house, put a foundation down out of 1,000 square feet. Here they call them camelbacks when you have you have like two points of entry through the front door, one through a front door and then a side front door, and then you build up a second floor on the back. Okay. All the construction. We brought it down to the studs. I got into doing like the rough-in on the electric, the HVAC, and the plumbing. So this
1: was like your, you know, typical first flip, you know, <laughs> painting
0: carpet. I, I was going for it. I was making it happen. <laughs> all in, man. <laughs> I had, there's a group, a real estate group here that I had spoke to, about 70 people there. And the one guy goes up to me and he's like, so all this is great and it's great information, but, um, just give us one point, one thing that one day you didn't know exactly what you're going to do or how to solve it. And you had to figure it out. And I was like, <laughs> I woke up every day not knowing what I was going to do <laughs> and having to solve it. How do you it pick a,
1: one day or one thing you didn't know? Huh?
0: Oh, man, I got so beat up on that project. I mean, I was in crawl spaces with floor joists this far from my chest, camel crickets jumping on my face in there for six hours with a whole hog, which is a big metal thing that's going to cut holes through it for plumbing. Like it was awful.
1: <laughs> so how much of the work did you end up doing yourself and how much did you hire out or how did you figure I, out that process?
0: Yeah, I put about 1400 hours into it. And I would say a big part of that was that last three months because I kind of held the project while I was working on Also, at the same time, 3,300 square feet and trying to do the interior of another friend's space and manage that project. So after I got that project complete, then I could really focus on this. And I had a few people who really helped me and drove me into that. Um, I introduced you to Frank, but he helped drive me and say, you really just need to focus on this project and get it done. And so I, I really kind of put everything else aside and then just for three months just hit that project really hard and I I did put a lot of time I didn't do framing I did internal framing because I changed things so I think some of the takeaway from this project is when you approach a project if you can put a lot of time up front into your project for example now I'll put 20 to 30 hours into spreadsheets and breaking down the project before I actually do the project and that by the time I get to the project, it's already done. It's like all the practice and everything's already happened. I already know where I need to go with it. There will still be some things that jump in and surprise you. But it's kind of like um, there's like Olympic athletes or something, and they sit front in the actual game where it's, um, it's already there. It's detected. Yeah. It's, it's over, you know, before it even starts. So I felt like that kind of thinking with flips, just knowing it. I mean, you still have to think on your feet but just having that whole process down and understanding all the elements and understanding my cost better back to that project and process helped out a lot. But yeah, I put a lot of time into that, that project.
1: From the outside, the project worked very well. I know it was, you know, you you had to put a lot into it, but so much that you've learned from it for future projects and how you run your business moving forward is awesome. So what were like the rough numbers Purchase
0: price, rehab, sure. sale price. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we purchased purchased it for about fifty five thousand, sixty thousand in there somewhere. Um, I put a. I ended up putting about one hundred sixty five thousand into the rehab. So I was roughly two twenty five, two thirty five. Ten thousand of that kind of comes and goes. I may have put in some other expenses that didn't directly relate to it. At that point in time. I think the highest sell, and I'll make this number up, in that neighborhood was maybe about 300,000. And then a gentleman about three houses over, I did a modern contemporary structure too. So I used corrugated metal, hardy board, and some things like that. So the okay. gentleman down the street kind of had just sold his properties. He did brand new build outs about the same square footage and sold his, and they were around like 359 and maybe 327. So I listed ours for 419, but it was August and there was a slight lull in the market, about two to three weeks, and we ended up uh, putting, getting an offer I think for 399, and then with concessions and stuff like that, it ended up at 395. So we we're pretty excited about that. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I'd be yeah. excited
1: about that too.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that project was ambitious. I would say so back to the fundamentals of understanding things. I also tend to be very visual, so besides the Excel sheets, I'll work with a program. It's a free program. It's called SketchUp. It's kind of like CAD, but it's a lot more user friendly, and you can like build structures in there really fast. And when I say that. You can take a floor plan, you can trace it out using vector-based principles, which maybe applies to you or doesn't, but you can also watch YouTube or lynda.com and kind of get the information to walk through these. And when you set up the floor plan, suddenly when you're trying to figure out your square footage for redoing a bathroom and you need tile and stuff, you just click on it, double-click it and it gives you 39.2963 square feet. And you can just do that instead of running back through your house every time and do it, and measuring it. Then you can do this push-pull tool where you expand it and go from a flat image to a very three-dimensional image. So then you can do that for all your siding. You can build in the angle for your roof. On top of that, you can understand the space visually so you understand closets, where you want to put things. So that was a big fundamental thing A um a really great tool for me when we go back to trying to set up your concept from the beginning. You do it with the numbers, but I also do it visually.
1: That's sure. What was the what was that program again? It's called SketchUp. Okay. So from there, you know, in the process, what did it feel like? Were you super confident with it? Was it a mental struggle? Um with that emotion. yeah
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah, that was definitely like I I woke up every day not knowing from the the process what i was going to do to actual doing of like fixing something or okay framing i have to build a wall so google i became very very good at google and youtube and so i was really good at deep diving very quickly and it was you know it'd be like um from tears to high fives (laughs) yeah like that you could define that that would be my mood in a day and you know, I had the support of my family. I had support of friends, but when you're working on a project like that, and it's that kind of money flowing, and it just becomes, yeah, it's it gets you. It doesn't, you know. There's, the, did I become more confident? I probably am now, but I still don't feel like that was just like um, I'm on top of the world or anything. I was just like, whew, I'm glad that's done wow and i yeah. could still think about things that i would have done differently so i was so close yeah. to the project right
1: what about you know when you, when you were telling others you know whether it was extended family or people friends who weren't in real estate did they really understand what you were doing did
0: not it, until they saw it crazy or, okay. yeah they had to when i would bring people over to it they would then they would understand more so and I also have great some great before and after pictures if I was on uh, on my desktop then I'd be able to flip them over to you but I could send them to you anyways and you could use those because I think then you really start to understand what a 110 year old house that the soap plate is completely rotted we had to lift the front up and put a soap plate on it it's all brick
1: I could uh, post them on the website or uh, near the show notes so people could see them. That'd be sure. So I'm sure people would appreciate seeing the before and after. It's one thing here that <laughs> in a description. It's another actually sure. seeing the, the starting house and the
0: finished product. So after that deal, where'd you go from there? Um, so then we started looking at a couple other deals. So I did a, I wanted to, I did the Big deal, right? Which is like the three or four hundred thousand dollar house. So now I wanted to go yep. to the small deal. I was told that maybe only five to ten, maybe five percent of the houses in Louisville go for like over three hundred thousand. And I was told that houses between one hundred thousand two hundred thousand just go off like that, sell so real quick. So I partnered with a guy and did a house. I think we ended up listing it for one hundred thirty-five thousand. And the idea was not to be so involved with this one but to manage the process to understand that part of it. Cause now I felt like I had experience so I could talk to people a little bit more. So I could negotiate better, which going back to the other house was a really valid point. Cause I think when you go into it that raw and you know, nothing about this, it would take about three to four contractors, the same con same like roofing contractors to finally get the right price. Uh...
1: For example,
0: first contractor would say yeah that's 5,500 and I was like well how do we get to that price he's like well there's 24 squares up there and I'm like okay and I make some notes and then I go back and what's a square 10 foot by 10 foot okay so second contractor like well there's about 24 squares up there so I should be looking at I don't know what do you have and he's like well I could probably do it for 4,200 and I was like okay so then I look at the roof and I figure out my squares And I was like, well, he said something about starter shingles and ridge shingles. And I was like, all right. So then by the time I get to the third contractor, I could be like, well, I've really got about 17 squares up there. that's including the ridge shingles and the starter shingles. I know the pitch of the roof is this, 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 and I need to be around $2,600. I'll go ahead and buy the roofing material from this place. You'll just have to pick it up. So I need you to come in at labor at about $90 a square. So it took me like... In the process, you're slowly picking up small pieces from each contractor to finally put together the final price. And then I think I ended up getting it maybe with material. And it ended up being like 18 squares. With some. It's a really high pitch and in a really tough area.
1: But That project and, and your background in production... I mean, I think you are really good at nailing down that process and negotiating contractors. And
0: I would say one other thing. I could keep going. This is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I got with these framers, right? These, these guys came in. I got some really good pricing on framing, but they weren't good framers. And so about halfway in, they go up to me and go, Dave, we can't do this for that price anymore. We need another $5,000. And I was like, $5,000? Their whole bid for the job was $5,000. So they had just doubled the price. I was like, that was labor. Um, wood package was like 16000 or something because I had LBLs all over that thing. But I was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to pay someone a whole lot more, but it sure isn't going to be you. You guys need to get out of here. So I had to let go of framers after it took me about a month to get framers because I didn't have any contractors here. So then I ended up driving mm-hmm. all over. I'd put my... Like reached out to all my friends and they're like I see some Amish framing in Douglas Loop I'd have my plans and I'd be over in Douglas Loop in half an hour throwing my plans down in front of anyone I could trying to find my next group of contractors so I would say overall with a project of this size or a project of any size you also have to practice a lot of perseverance like Yeah. Nonstop, go 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 <laughs> I I'm just having all kinds that. of flashbacks. I am <laughs> not going to sleep tonight because of this conversation. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Sorry to bring up so many old wounds, man.
0: <laughs> They're good ones, though.
1: That's right. Yeah. Now that you're through them, though, how did you end up getting in? Because you've done a couple of commercial deals, too, right? How did you end up getting into a commercial space?
0: Um, so one was, uh, we just happened, it was just about to be listed. It was in a real popular area here on Bardstown Road, which kind of goes up and down depending on the year as far as how popular it is. A lot of tourists come here for bourbon trails and stuff like that. they will stay on Bardstown Road. And we happened to find that house just through, it was actually my wife that told me about it and I kind of passed on and I was like, oh, commercial property. I don't know anything about that. And then I was like, wait a minute, that sounds like a good deal. Maybe that is a good deal. And I know my buddy in Brooklyn, wanted to have a pizza restaurant here. So I called him and said, we have to act fast. I think this would be a great space and we can negotiate it. We can just hold, hopefully we can hold the tenant for like the next two years. And so then I went met with the tenant before I ever talked to an agent to buy the house or the commercial space and just tried yeah. to nail down some of those details to make sure we could hold them. And we ended up just negotiating that. I think we went in at like three fifty-five, which was high for that space, but then we just tore it apart in the uh inspection period just like the crawl space it's mold it's this this and got it down to 280. so we actually picked up a bunch of equity when we purchased it too you know probably it was probably about 310 or 320. and then i think there was another one i just looked up the information for the owner and they just happened to have a bunch of properties and this one i think was more of a full rehab it was a full brick building 3,000 square feet commercial on a corner and it had a bunch of when people see brick damage they don't it's scary and the walls coming out but yeah. what they didn't realize like bricks built of courses or layers and water gets between the layers sometimes and freezes and over 10 years pushes one layer out but maybe not the other two so structural integrity is still there so you just have to come in tear out that first layer of brick and reap and it can be like a four thousand dollar job you know, with Tuck Point, depending on how big the wall is. it's right. it looks right? scary, suddenly, but it cosmetic. Fixed. So that's how we got that one. I partnered on that with someone else. So we kind of put together a different, a, we hired general contractors on that one. We kind of negotiated a little differently. We made, made it an incentivized plan with them instead of just doing a clear cut. So they kind of gave me their bid on what they thought things cost. I gave them my bid on what I thought I could get it for. Then we came to terms with that. We said, if they can hit my numbers, then I'll give them about 4 to 5% more in their contracts against a certain time frame, And that's been working out really well. So that goes back to um, my experience in fashion. In fashion, we used to say, or in production, we used to, in order to hit a really bottom price or tight price, we would use nominated suppliers. So they would say, here's a shirt. I'll give you that shirt for $10 or we'll give you a shirt for $4. I would say, mm, I want to use my fabric. My fabric's only $1.30 a yard. If you can match the quality or get better, then we can use your supplier because they're trying to make money in every piece uh, of the supply yeah. chain. Right. Yeah. Just like if you work with a plumber, if they're buying your toilets, your toilets may be $79, but they're going to charge you $120, even though they might be getting it for $60. So, We tried to do... But I did that with the general contractors. So I gave them nominated contractors. And they would pitch for, like, two HVAC systems and a bunch of duct work. Like, I'll make up a number, 15,000. And I'll say... Or 11,000. Maybe 12,000 is what they said. And I said, no, I have something that can do it for 8,500. That's two one-and-a-half-ton units. and So
1: So if they can match that, they can use who they want. If not, then you use... Your contractor,
0: right? Yeah. And there's also a bunch of other moving parts, right? Because my contractor might work with me one way, but would work with them or receive yeah. them differently. So yeah. they still, you know, it's still a collaboration. It gets, a, it's just about knowing people and working through those things. But yeah, that's how we set up the other commercial deal. And so we've built two apartments up there and we'll have a retail space in the bottom. We'll see how that goes. Renting out a retail space. I haven't done that before. So I'm not familiar with, like, I think you just white box it, just like drywall, close it, and we'll have HVAC in there, but then we're not going to do much beyond that, and we'll have to negotiate with the tenant to see what we're responsible for building out what they're responsible for.
1: Okay. Yeah, I've never dealt with that either. I'm sure you'll (laughs) figure
0: it out. You'll let me know. I don't have a choice. (laughs)
1: That's right. Necessity, right? I think that's a really sharp way for dealing with – uh general contractor though that's a great way to kind of manage them and incentivize them um, so that the numbers come in where you want them
0: yeah i was excited about it they actually came to me and they weren't When I met with them, there's actually two of them. They both work for nonprofit organizations and things like that. So there's some other incentives built in there as well. They had kind of said, you know, we want to break this down. We'll go through it. We'll give you a list of contractors and we're going to charge you so much for that. And I was like, that doesn't really fly for me. Chances are we're going to use most of my contractors overall, I should be charging you for my list of contractors because they're probably going to end up using my, more of my contractors than I'll be using their contractors. I didn't Ooh. say that, but I thought it and I just smiled and said, sure, let's just look at the list and look at these numbers and see how it works out. I never paid them for their list, but I was willing to accept that as, as a possibility as we moved forward so that I could persuade them and show them <laughs> why they should use my contractors, et cetera. And actually they have, they've used a lot of them framers and things like that. So it's been, it's been a really good relationship. So it's the first time I've used a construction loan with a bank too, which has worked out really well. So trying to use, not use my money, use the bank's money, you know, finance it and things. I guess going back to Brooklyn, trying to understand how I can get bigger sums of money, and just put twenty percent of my money in, and then get two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars with someone else's money for a bigger payoff at the end of the day. Yeah, so that's been good.
1: So, and then
0: you just closed on another deal today, right? What's what's the new deal moving forward? So the first one that the first flip was the big flip, right? And then I did the little flip, with was like the one hundred thirty thousand dollar flip. And then actually, you and I jumped in on one together, and that was in there too. And that was even a different situation because we were like putting money in, and you know, it was just a different structure altogether. Again, now back to the this one, I've kind of gone back to the original model, and I keep, I think I'm going to hit probably two thirty-five to two sixty-five with the purchase and the rehab in it. It's tricky. It's a hundred. I bought it for one hundred fifty thousand. I think I can put if I do a high-low budget. Depending on how much I work, I do. I'll be between eighty-five, like 85 to one hundred fifteen thousand. If I put more work into it, I might get it down to like fifty five thousand. I'll still be paying myself for that thirty thousand. I'll pay myself through the construction loan for doing the work just to maintain life over the next six months, right. given yeah. Corona. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah, and see so what else on goes 30, on. Not knowing what's going on. <laughs> but this one is actually in a historic area. And I've always been really turned off with the idea of having to go to a committee. And so before I purchased it, I actually, I would have to say the folks in Louisville, as far as the city departments coming from New York, of course, everyone has been really awesome to deal with. They're just, they answer my questions. I can go in and sit down and talk to them. And they I don't know, maybe I'm just very gullible and I just get taken away in the moment and listen to whatever they say. And i and they're persuading me and <laughs> they've got the upper hand, but they've just been really amazing. So dealing with this I building.
1: I think that's great though, because I think probably a lot of people would be intimidated by that um, going in and just talking and trying to work it out. I, I think that's it's a good uh, point to make that they're just people, right? People with a title. You just need to talk to them.
0: For sure. Yeah. And and goes back to negotiating that first deal at Hall Street right it's not just about give me give me give me it's like you're the expert you're getting in essence you're getting paid to help people but do you mind helping me i want to do the right thing here in essence that's like the approach with um any of the inspectors or anyone that i've dealt with and i don't have a lot of experience doing it so i can approach it that naively i don't want to be taken advantage of so and i won't be but i'll approach it that way yeah, I'll, I'll give them the upper hand. When yeah. you give them the upper hand, it it empowers people and they want to help. Yeah, this house will be interesting. I'll be. I don't know what the market's going to do. Um, a house down the street just sold for one hundred eighty-seven dollars a square foot. The house next door they're trying to sell for two hundred twenty-two dollars a square foot, which I don't believe they'll get. This house is about eighteen hundred square feet. Bought it at one hundred fifty for one hundred fifty thousand. Um, I was excited at closing when they told me that. Um, they actually had to bring more money to the table to pay for it. So I felt like they were under, under it. And I was glad I didn't try to push again for another 20,000 or something because I I was considering it. Yeah. Um, But then I felt like with the market going to where it is right now, everything's still really moving here. People are closing houses, tons of houses um, with everything happening. But yeah, I was like, this gives me something to do gives me some mental space and things to work on so so
1: okay give us some numbers again you said you bought it for 150 the expected rehab was like 85 to 115 something like that yeah
0: depending on how much i sell it for
1: 115 I think it, what do you think the sale price that's what 265 all in let's say on the high side what are, what are
0: what's your optimistic yeah talent? this one well i would say if a lot of that price has me peeling off the wood facade like that's 110 years old putting um house wrap down getting the squirrels out of the wall and then restoring this old metal siding so it's I mean that job could be like 4,500 or it could be I might have to be going somewhere else to get this wood siding it could be
1: Okay, so, so that's
0: it's going to be an involved
1: process. I get it. You're yeah, you're
0: yeah. I don't have
1: a in a lawn chair telling other people how to do it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think I'll I'll do well with that. I'm not sure how well with the market. I was I thought maybe I could sell it for 390. Um, I might be able to sell it for 420. If the market jumps back, it might drop to like 340. I'll still make 40 to 60 thousand, but. I'm gonna turn this in probably three months, four months at the most. I don't have to build a house. I just have to fix a house. Yeah. So it's it's I can look at the old HVAC work. The HVAC is only three years old. I can just I mean it's it's so different. Just not having to get a port and having to get so much permitted work, huge difference. So my biggest thing on this are box gutters. You start dealing with these old houses. If you were to reline box gutters with copper the way they used to do them, it's like $85 a foot. And I had 110 feet on this thing. So I'm that's out. So I'm going to cut the box gutters <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was going to say, holy mackerel. <laughs> yeah. that's,
0: that's I mean, it's, it's still going to be expensive, but I'll cut the box gutters off, which is what the historic society wants anyways in this area, yeah. just so people can maintain them. It's not realistic for people to maintain that kind of box yeah. gutters, especially in that area. So. It sounds
1: like, uh, I mean, the numbers sound awesome. That's unreal. I think, you know, anybody dream of those numbers.
0: For me, one of the big takeaways on this one too, is it creates a certain psychological space for me. Like I, I want to kind of, I want to make money, but I want to kind of build something too. Right. And this is like a really designy project. So I don't, like even if I made twenty thousand dollars, which I'll, I'll watch the numbers tight enough that I'll I'll make more than twenty thousand dollars. But uh, it just it gives me what I want. I don't want to just um, flip houses. I kind of I kind of got emotional with this one and got pulled into it. And it's this old house and the na- the area is Clifton and it's real like different you know funky they paint their houses greens blues yellows like a bunch of different colors like those old houses and i kind of was like wow i wanted to give the house what the house deserves because everyone else is just going to come back and just make that thing look ugly i mean i'm gonna have to put vinyl on the sides don't get me wrong but that's gonna give me the money to make that front facade wood and and make the rest of it um really great so yeah i guess it's become like a little bit a different kind of project for me that one or this one
1: so I'm sure it'll be beautiful sounds like a fun project with all the design involved and I kind of like your perspective on you know the economy has some kind of downturn who knows how long it is but um, people so many people are kind of nervous about moving forward with deals and I like your perspective that kind of like job security if you have the funding for the rehab and the worst case scenario is you were um, in the rehab and pay yourself i mean that's a
0: good yeah to be in. and the bank was awesome i think what's funny right now is like there's money out there it's just not moving right the bank's yeah. willing to give me two hundred seventy thousand dollars. or like hey and i'm not like i don't have a bunch of cash you know so the money's there it's just there's nothing creating that uh, flow so I can create that flow I can you know there's a bunch of contractors here that are like hey man can I get any work and I'm like yeah I mean I I'm not gonna I'll pay them and I'll negotiate with them because that's just what I'll do I'm not gonna take advantage of them I'm still gonna make sure that they have money for their families too and so I've already got people lined up and we're just gonna dumpsters coming in tomorrow got somebody um who's staying at a house with a bunch of other folks on Saturday who was excited to have some work. He's just like eight hours of demo. He's excited. I have some other folks coming in. We'll spread it out so we can kind of create like a safe environment for everybody. I'm excited about this house. It has a microwave and a refrigerator in it. That might not seem like a lot, but after you've worked in a house for five months and it's 30 (laughs) degrees out, and now you can put your food in a microwave to make it warm when you want lunch, that's gonna be amazing.
1: I don't know. It sounds too nice.
0: It yeah, it's too posh. <laughs> There's a toilet. I don't know. This is great. Life is good.
1: <laughs> and then you raised some private money for this new deal too, right?
0: Yeah. My buddy put together this program that talks about how to raise. <laughs> yeah. So thank you again for that. Yeah. So with this deal, it's funny because it seems so natural, like a natural progression, but I was able to borrow, a, so I'll make the forty to, let's say, $120,000 on this deal, but I won't have any of my money in the deal.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: And I want to thank you for that, because I borrowed $90,000, um, had somebody transfer some retirement funds to a self-directed IRA, and they have to be high-fiving me right now for that, and you, given yeah. the market slid 8,000 points <laughs> in that, the last two yeah. weeks, so... Um, I offered them 10% back on their money. They said, that's great. Um, Annually, I plan on holding it for four months. I could hold it for six. I only used 60,000 of that money or 58,000 to put back into the property for the original purchase. And then I borrowed the rest from a bank as a construction loan at five and a half percent. So now I've got that other $30,000 that I can use and leverage somewhere else if another deal comes along. Or I can use that money. As you're working with a construction loan, a lot lot of people, contractors really depend on your money, right? They want it right then and there at the end of the week. And when you're working with a bank, it kind of gives too much space sometimes. There's too much time wasted, three to five days for them to refund your account. So I'll hold about $10,000 cash in that account and use that to give to my contractors and then go back and reconcile with the bank to help create the cash flow. that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Completely, so, yep. And I'll have $20,000 to live off of in case anything happens. So that's kind of a great thing. And I think I'll already start working on the project. I'll do some of the demo and I'll just start writing some of it off back to myself, but I won't take it unless I need to later in the next two months or something. We'll see how it goes. I think that's
1: huge though, that you have more money than you need for the entire deal. Not only are you not putting money in the deal, but you have extra money that you can use in other deals or elsewhere. And your lender is just feels hugely blessed because you allowed them the opportunity. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. That's great encouragement for anybody going out there to talk to private. Yeah. Everybody's happy.
0: You're, you're not asking something of someone you're giving them this great opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, Contractors included. It's just going down the line. So it's really nice to see that and think that maybe that wouldn't happen if we didn't find this house and these other things happen. And I actually had some other people reach out to me um, who had about a hundred thousand dollars that they haven't put back into the market. They were, looking to do something with it so another based on basically the courses or the information that you've passed to me about um, creative financing and private lending but I think for me I need to wait until I'm into this project about 30 days and feel like I have momentum before I just like have all these projects right now I need to start one wait a month start one and kind of feel it out I don't need to conquer the world just my own domain (laughs) (laughs) Or at least wait 30 days, then... You know, they talk the world, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So What I say and think are different things. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it does, I mean, looking in, it's like each project is a new challenge. And each project you've taken on really had different risks associated with it, whether it was the standards of the rehab or the partnership you were in or new commercial space. So what's sure. your... What's your why? What is it that really pushes you to overcome all of those things? Um, or what's your your driver?
0: I don't know. I think I'm really still trying to understand what my why is. And I think that'll just constantly evolve. I think what's allowed me to get through those situations are being able to talk about problems as they arise with you, with my family, um, trying to get understand that. I think the reason I'm doing it, which is more closely related to the why would be a little bit more independence. I don't like to be told what to do. Yeah. And if someone tells me what to do and, it, and it's completely logical, for some reason, I just probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> you know? I would self-sabotage. So I have to get away <laughs> from that myself. But I think just to be able to create, I, I just want to like build, you know, that's, that's kind of it. it, whether it's like in a fine arts fashion and this will give me the money to do that. Um, to be challenged every day, I enjoy that. That same frustration that I begrudgingly deal with is the same thing that I want, because I feel like it just like pushes me forward. So I, I don't want it to be all easy. I want it to be hard. But then when it's hard, I'm kind of like kicking myself for it being hard. So my why is I want to be able to spend yeah. time with my family when I want, how I want, if I want. Yeah, I think going from, from a me, nine to five to a corporate you job so
1: much freedom. Yeah, independence in the project and with your time. I, I mean, it's amazing what you've been
0: able to do. You can make money when you want, you know, if you want, if you need to, right? It's like teaching someone to, yeah. feeding them fish or teaching them to catch them. So it's just a different way awesome. of looking at that whole kind of, from a different vantage point. And I think I have to give you a lot of thanks because you've been a big part of that too. I mean, I just feel well, like we've grown that. up that way. I'm Always a long glad time.
1: encourage you. For, so it's
0: mutual for sure. No, me more. I appreciate it more. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> look, look at my contract. Sign my contract. Trust me. So uh,
1: well, so before you before we end, if somebody wants to find out more about you. Or your projects or this upcoming project that you're getting ready to start. How can people find out more about you?
0: We talked about posting this last project, maybe showing some updates and stuff through your website. So I think that would be a fun way to like a nice evolution. So that would be a way. Sure. It's through you. If that works. Can for they you. find you on Facebook too if they want to follow you personally? They can, but I don't necessarily use it, Chad. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm trying, I'm working towards a social presence, but I, I was like, I know I'm pretty technologically advanced, but I, for social media, I, it's never really stuck. I'm not really sure why, but I'm understand, working towards it.
1: understand I completely. That... <laughs> so we'll definitely post videos, pictures, and progress on the new project. And so people can kind of track because... I think to visually see it, hearing the numbers is one thing, but visually seeing it um, and kind of the process
0: involved I think will be really good. I think everybody will benefit from it, be interested in it. Yeah, when you see that front facade and you see those holes in the wood just picture me out front talking about two feet away from it talking to a contractor and then hearing something scurry about six feet from my head and seeing a squirrel tail slowly flip into that building and going oh that's where all those feces in the attic are coming from.
1: (laughs) That's the true glamour of a six-figure flip right there. Yeah,
0: (laughs) That's how you hit those numbers.
1: (laughs) that's awesome i appreciate you coming on today appreciate you being willing to share all your your story your information and everything else
0: yeah man thanks for having me and thanks for all the encouragement over the years i appreciate that definitely always all right
1: i wanted to offer you an opportunity because if you're like me you suddenly have a lot of evenings free with social distancing and all of the uh, recent precautions for COVID-19. All of these events have been canceled, kids' sports are canceled, and suddenly have a lot more time available. It's tempting to kind of waste that by picking a new series on Netflix. But we can also consider it an opportunity to improve ourselves, use the time to get our business to where we want it to be. So with that in mind, for the next two weeks, I'm offering a discount on my private money masterclass. So with that class, you get 35 videos where I personally teach every step involved with the process of raising money from private lenders. It includes the documents to use, the scripts to follow for your phone calls, Slides to use for presentations, even my credibility kit. If you go to the website, truewealthinvestors.com, under the courses tab, you can see from the syllabus exactly what all is covered. So the discount is $200. Just go to the website, enter promo code NEW2020. That's NEW2020. So we've gotten great feedback from the students who've completed the course. And it's exciting to see them raising money from private lenders. I know you'll appreciate it too. So you can find that at truewealthinvestors.com promo code new 2020.